Our gospel lesson today comes from the book of Luke, chapter 21, verses 25 through 36. And here, this is Jesus speaking. These are his words that he offers to us. Let us listen now together. There will be signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars, and on the earth distress among nations confused by the roaring sea and waves. People will faint from fear and foreboding of what is coming upon the world, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to take place, stand up and raise your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. Then he told them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and know that summer is already near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Be on guard so that your hearts are not weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of this life, and that day does not catch you unexpectedly like a trap. For it will come upon all who live on the face of the whole earth. Be alert at all times, praying that you may have the strength to escape all these things that will take place and to stand before the Son of Man. This is the word of the Lord. Signs in the sky, distress among the nations, roaring seas and waves, people fainting from fear. Heaven and earth tremble before the coming of God. Creation marvels at the Son of Man, King Jesus, Emmanuel. Happy first week of Advent, everyone. (laughs) Last week, we celebrated Christ the King Sunday, the last day of the Christian liturgical calendar. We proclaimed that no person, no power in heaven or earth besides Jesus Christ can rightfully claim lordship. He alone is our sovereign king, above whom there is no other. Last week, we testified to Christ's kingship, and this week, well, we're testifying to Christ's kingship once again. We're beginning at the end with Luke's apocalyptic scripture text. We're literally reading about the end of the world on the first Sunday of the new liturgical year. It's the beginning. Why are we already talking about the end? I must admit that our lectionary text surprised me a bit this week. Certainly, Jeremiah offers some familiar and expected Advent imagery, the promise of a coming king to the people of Israel, a righteous branch that will spring forth from the house of David, assurance of justice and righteousness for God's persecuted people. But what of this gospel text? Where are the angels? Where is the manger? Where's the little drummer boy? 
perhaps expecting this first Sunday of Advent to kick off the Christmas season as we expect, we are instead greeted with an apocalypse, a divine revelation about the end times, in this case spoken by no less than Jesus himself. Luke chapter 21 is commonly known as the little apocalypse, Jesus' own apocalyptic vision offered as a public sermon in the Jewish temple. You may recall that after entering Jerusalem and cleansing the temple of merchants and tax collectors, Luke's Jesus begins teaching in the temple every day. The chief priests and the scribes keep testing Jesus, questioning his authority and trying to catch him in mistakes of interpreting Scripture. Their deceit fails, however. Jesus deftly addresses each of their rhetorical traps and fires back with a revelation of God's future. This revelation is the little apocalypse, the 21st chapter of Luke. The opening verses include this story of the widow's mite, where she donates her only two copper coins, and Jesus' declaration that the temple would be thrown down stone by stone. Jesus tells of coming persecutions for God's people and the destruction of Jerusalem. Our text this morning is the culmination of that section. Jesus' description of the Son of Man's triumphant return. As the kingdom of God draws near, As the full glory of our Creator is revealed through the Son, creation itself will tremble with awe and reverence. Jesus' words here remind me of the assurance of re-creation promised in the book of Revelation. At the end of time, Revelation claims that God will make all things new, that love will win, and God's deepest desires for reconciled creation will be realized. Let's listen together to this apocalyptic vision that John sees in Revelation 21, 1-5. He puts it this way, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of the heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them. They will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more, for the first things have passed away. And the one who was seated on the throne said, See, I am making all things new. Also, he said, Write this, for these words are trustworthy and true. That's Revelation chapter 21. And in Luke chapter 21, Jesus is a bit more direct in describing God's coming day of recreation. Speaking of the signs that will point to God's coming kingdom, Jesus says, Now when these things begin to take place, stand up and raise your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. 
These words are trustworthy and true. My words will not pass away. See, I am making all things new. So why are we beginning Advent here? This first Sunday of Advent, this first day of the new liturgical year, why begin with the end of the world? In a certain sense, Christians always begin at the end. We always know the full story. We already know God's plan for creation. We already know that God's victory has been achieved. Knowing that God's victory of love and life over sin and death already happened when Jesus rose from the dead, we live life with a type of double vision. The power of sin is potent, but it cannot stand against the will of our sovereign Lord. These words are trustworthy and true. Though the powers of this world can cause devastating affliction, God's promise of redemption and reconciliation is unstoppable. God is relentless in breaking down barriers and knitting together that which has been torn apart. The Son of Man's arrival is inevitable. God's glorious desire for a creation renewed from all pain and affliction is inevitable. And so we begin at the end. We begin at the end because it has very real consequences for how we live here and now. We live with double vision, opening our eyes to the world around and to the world to come. The Christian life is one of humble awareness, awareness that we are each part of God's great narrative of redemption. We are each integral members of Christ's body here on earth. And we are each blessed with a spiritual vision to see that God's grace weaves throughout every moment of history. This Christian vision is paradoxical. It focuses on today, this moment, where people cry out in hunger, where racial justice runs rampant, where hatred breeds acts of terror, where so many have so little in a world of great abundance here In this place, in this moment, Christ directs our vision so that we may live and serve in his name. But we do not only focus on today or tomorrow or next week. Christian vision directs us towards a time when time itself will cease. When the Son of Man returns, when God's kingdom draws near. Our paradoxical Christian vision anchors us as Christ's hands and feet in the world, but it does not limit us like a set of horse blinders. It calls us to be ever mindful of the Lord's promised return. That day when the Son of Man will arrive with power and glory, as Jesus puts it. Even as we focus on the rhythms of daily life, we also focus on God's eternal reality that has consequences here and now. I'm reminded here of my professional life before I moved to Richmond and enrolled in seminary. Before answering the call that has led to this church and this pulpit, I lived in Asheville, North Carolina, where I worked in an optical lab and made prescription eyeglasses. Now, working at this lab, I became very, very familiar with the different types of glasses that people can get. There's a lot of different types. But one type in particular, is an industrial lens, 
and it's affectionately known as a double D. I bet you've never heard of those before. (laughs) These lenses have two D-shaped bifocals, one at the bottom of the lens and one at the very top with a distance vision section in the middle. These are mainly used by professionals who are surrounded by lots of gadgets and buttons, and these are often used by people like airline pilots. They need to be able to see low, and they need to be able to see high, and they're also used by car mechanics up underneath of a vehicle. These people need to be able to see up close. They need to have that close vision, but they need to be able to see far away as well. So why do I bring this up? Christian vision is much like these different types of eyeglass lenses. We have lenses that help us see up close, the here and now moments of life. But part of the lens also helps us see far away, the time when the Son of Man will return and usher in God's kingdom. We live constantly with this double vision, an awareness of our finite participation within the divine narrative. We live constantly with the vision that God's surely coming kingdom powerfully shapes how we live here and now. Remember what Jesus said in our Luke passage. You will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to take place, stand up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. And that's why we begin at the end with Jesus' little apocalypse. We begin at the end today because God's definitive yes to life and light and love echoes from Christ's resurrection all the way to the day He will come again in glory. We begin at the end because it shapes everything else we are and everything else we do. By reading Jesus' apocalyptic words this week, we lodge the rest of this liturgical year in the assurance of God's grace and promised return. In the meantime, we wait expectantly for the consummation of God's promise by worshiping and serving and loving and sharing and welcoming and proclaiming as members of Christ's church. We wait expectantly, preparing for the coming day, knowing that God's word to us in Scripture will not pass away, that it is trustworthy and true. And that, sisters and brothers, is why we read this passage from Luke's Little Apocalypse on this first Sunday of Advent. We are beginning the new liturgical year and, indeed, Advent with expectation, with watchfulness, with waiting. We are beginning a journey to once again meet Emmanuel, God with us in the manger. And as we begin this journey, as we prepare for what is ahead in the coming weeks, Jesus tells us how to proceed in verse 34. He says, be on guard so that your hearts are not weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of this life. And that day does not catch you unexpectedly like a trap. Be on guard. Don't be careless. Don't be neglectful, but pay attention. Stay focused. There are a lot of distractions this time of year. 
a lot of people and things that vie for our attention, our energy, our hearts. Jesus says, be on guard so that your hearts are not weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness. Dissipation, and that's an uncommon word. I looked it up, it means debauchery, overconsumption, self-indulgence, to be intemperate in drinking habits. Basically, it's an amplification of drunkenness. It, it, it's the equivalent of going on a bender that just doesn't end because it becomes the pattern of a person's life. That's what dissipation means. And this dissipation that Jesus speaks of, this overconsumption, it has serious consequences that are antithetical to a season of preparation. Dissipation leads to a lack of control in one's life, a a lack of focus. To be drunk in this way is to hand over the reins of one's life to something that cannot bring fulfillment or wholeness. But perhaps even more importantly for our purposes, on this first Sunday of Advent, on this first Sunday of the new liturgical year, Jesus is also talking about spiritual dissipation, spiritual debauchery, spiritual self-indulgence spiritual drunkenness. Jesus is talking about becoming so spiritually drunk, so enamored with the things of the Christmas season that we forget our spiritual path of preparation. Jesus is talking about caring so much about the color of the coffee cups at Starbucks that we forget to love our neighbors. Jesus is talking about fearing a war on Christmas so much that we neglect to embrace outsiders and welcome strangers. Jesus is a talking about preparing so much for Christmas morning that we forget to prepare our hearts to receive the greatest gift of all, Jesus Christ. Some friends of mine told me about a family tradition that they started with their children that feels appropriate as we start our Advent journey together. To help their children understand the season, these friends would put a manger scene in the family room each year, but with a twist. The three wise men were all the way upstairs, and each day they moved the figurines a little closer and a little closer. The wise men would work their way down the banister and through the kitchen and finally into the family room, and on Christmas Eve, they would arrive to meet the baby Jesus. I like this tradition because it's a ritual of preparation. Moving the wise men is a physical reminder of our own spiritual preparation throughout the month of December. Like these wise men, maybe you've made this Advent journey many times before. Maybe the path is worn and familiar. Or maybe it's been a while for you. Maybe it's been a long time since you've made this pilgrimage. Perhaps this is your first time seeking the manger, and the path ahead is completely new. No matter where you come from, we're all using our Christian double vision to prepare for Jesus' wondrous arrival. Today we begin at the end with an apocalypse. We begin by reading about the Son of Man's triumphant return, 
about God's abiding promise that love will inevitably win, that love already has won. We prepare and wait and watch for God, knowing that this promise is trustworthy and true. And we begin at the end because it shapes everything else we are and everything else that we do. To God be all glory this day and always. Amen. Let us pray together. God, in this season of preparation, of watchfulness and waiting, we know that the reading and hearing of the word never comes without a renewed call to discipleship. Let us now take a moment of silence to think about the ways we are being called into new service to you. Hallelujah. Amen.